Chats, the show where I, Josh Pickford, founder of Bear Metrics, hop on a call with my founder pals and get the stories of how they started and grew their businesses. This week, I talk with Isaac Oates of Just Works. We're big fans of Just Works here at Bear Metrics. They've made hiring remotely extremely simple from an HR, tax, payroll standpoint, and really are fantastic. Uh, Isaac's journey from Amazon to Etsy to starting Just Works is fascinating, and I think you'll love it. Enjoy. All right. Hey, Isaac, thanks for uh, joining me. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Josh. I'm excited to be here. So I would, uh, I would love to get your backstory. Um, I'm, I kind of have a little bit of a fascination with people's, um, I don't know, origin stories, I guess. Like, I'd love to hear kind of like what you were like as a kid, like pre-Just Works, pre-really any kind of entrepreneurship stuff. But I mean, like, like you growing up, like what were you like? Yeah, so um, I was a pretty quiet kid. I grew up with just my mom, uh, so it's just she and I. And we moved around a lot um, when I was younger. And then uh, I got into computers in this like really major way when um, my mom had this this job at the public library. Like she worked there on the Saturdays, and so instead of having a babysitter, you know, I would just like sit in the library all day. And they had this like Apple II in the corner, and they had this this binder with floppy disks, and it had like games like Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego type stuff, and it also had this thing that you know teaches you basic and so i started using it and i learned basic and i would say basically from like that point on uh the rest of my childhood was like about programming and being on computers and stuff like that but in general i'd say it was pretty pretty quiet do you feel like um i mean like the computers being in the computers early on um what i guess what was it about the programming that like really piqued your interest yeah, it was like this, I don't know, it was probably like a way to have control in in some ways. Like, I, you know, I think the thing that is so amazing about writing a computer program is that it's like you can just tell this machine, like, what to do. And it will, like, exactly do the thing that you type in, you know, if you, you, know, if you do it right. Um, and I, I don't know, like, I just really liked that. Um, so I guess, do you consider yourself... Uh, an engineer sort of first and then like the entrepreneurship kind of stuff came as a, a necessity or were, were did you also have this sort of business acumen about you even early on? Yeah, I, th- I think anyone who knows me would be hard pressed to describe me as somebody with business acumen. <laughs> but um, I, definitely, I definitely would consider myself an engineer uh, First, although it's kind of faded, and you know, yep. these days it's more like it's like a way to think about things, and then obviously there's a really specific skill set. But I didn't really do um, a ton of entrepreneurial stuff, although I did write this program. My mom later worked in a, a public library, or not a public library, a high school library, and um, I wrote this program that would let them control access to the computer. Like, this was just when the internet was coming out, and so they had, like, a couple of web browsers in the library, but, like, you had to sign a permission slip if you were a kid. Like, you couldn't just go online. And uh, so I wrote this program and sold it to, like, the high school district that um, controlled access. So I did, I kind of, like, dabbled, but it wasn't until much later that I started really doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were you like as a kid in school? Like, were you a good student, interested in school, or not your thing? Um, I was, like, a pretty good student. Um, I definitely liked, I think I liked science the most. Uh, Math was actually kind of challenging. Um, And then, like, you know, reading and writing, not so much. I wasn't in any sports or anything like that, but, yeah. yeah. 
Did you go to Did you go to college anywhere? I did. Uh, I went to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Um, this funny thing happened. Like I went to this high school uh, for my sophomore through senior year, and it was it was like in the vocational school district, but it was a magnet school for kids that were into technology. It was called High Technology High School, and it had just opened. And um, I applied to the University of Illinois and didn't get in. Um, and then it turned out that like they looked at my application and decided that I went to a vocational school. And so they were like, you should not go here because you went to a vocational school. <laughs> um, and my guidance counselor actually like worked it out. Uh, but I went there for um, computer science because it was the best CS school that I got into. Gotcha. And do you feel like that was, that was useful for you, the, the computer science degree? Yeah. You know, at the time, so I was like a pretty decent programmer by the time I was going into college. You know, I'd been, I worked on some, like something called a BBS, which is sort of like yep. a, yeah, you might know what that is. Um, <laughs> so I wrote BBS software when I was in high school. So I was already pretty good. Um, but I think what I got out of college on the CS side was, you know, the ability to really understand like these different algorithms and data structures and like how to use them. And the other thing is like, you know, I learned how a computer actually worked. So it was like, you know, you sort of went all the way down to like, you know, how do you take transistors and like turn that into a computer? And yeah. not that I'm like sitting around doing that all day, but I think knowing that gave me like a kind of confidence that was really valuable. It's kind of interesting. So I, I majored, um, ultimately graduated with a graphic design degree, but I, I mean, I was one of those kids that changed majors a dozen times. And I was a, I was a computer science major for maybe a month or so <laughs> and and one of the, i mean like the very first class was like binary code stuff and i just remember just like wanting to smash my face against the wall like it just i mean i could program but it was like programming for me was like was a tool um and it wasn't i didn't necessarily enjoy it um it was like an ends to a, uh, a means to an end and uh so the <laughs> computer science for me was just this and it also felt really antiquated which i don't know I mean, that, a lot of times can be university educations anyways because they're kind of lag. Um, do you feel like yours was up to date with technology at the time or also kind of lagging? You know, it was like maybe a little bit behind, but the irony is I don't think they've even changed it. And like, you know, now it's like 15 years later. Um, but, I, you know, I think a lot of like the principles are really like not changing. So it's like, you know, there's like different tools and languages and stuff like that. But uh, even like when we interview engineers here uh, at JustWorks, like a lot of times we're looking for, you know, like a fundamental understanding of how the systems that you're working on work. Yep. Yep. So went to college, graduated? I did. Okay. okay. So then after that, you, like what was the next step for you? I know that you ended up at a, at a few larger companies, but I'm, I'm curious what was like right out of college for you? Yeah, so there's a little bit of stuff going on in parallel. Um, so I uh, I was also in ROTC when I was in college. So I'd, I'd enlisted in the National Guard like right before I graduated high school. And then all through college, I was in uh, this officer training program. And so when I graduated college, I started working at Amazon straight out of school. But then I was like also, you know, basically took like the first six months off to like go do like more military training and stuff like that. Um, 
but I, but yeah, my first, I guess, like real job was with, uh, was with Amazon, and I was a software engineer on this team called Third Party Payments or 3PP, uh, which was like this really cool um, transaction processing system that basically like moved money between uh, buyers and sellers on their marketplace platform. Gotcha. So what was I mean, jumping right into Amazon right out of college, um, what do you think positioned you to get? A job at a at a company the size of Amazon. Um, like like why did I get hired? Or why right, I mean, you know, like if if you didn't necessarily have a ton of, or maybe you did have a bunch of experience, like were you doing other stuff during college, like kind of building yourself up, or? Um, I mean, I've always been working. So you know, again, like since I, I, I at that point I've been programming for like you know ten years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the way I got the job was there was another guy uh, that I was in undergrad with, and he had interned at Amazon the summer before, and then we were like studying, we we're studying for some class together, and he was like, "Oh, you should, you should give me your resume, and I'm going to send it in, and maybe something will happen." And then, of course, you know, this is like the fall of 2001, and so like 9/11 goes down. Uh, all the like everybody stops hiring except for Amazon, uh, which is how I ended up there basically. And I think you know the way I got the job was that you know I had sort of like good fundamentals, which is a big part of what they looked for, um, but also just kind of like real experience. They also there's like a work ethic that Amazon looks for, which is probably not a shocker if you have ever read the New York Times at this yep. point. But there's a work ethic, and I think that I, I had that work ethic. Actually, I think um, a lot of kids that go to school in the Midwest in particular kind of have that, and so Amazon loves people like that. Gotcha. So you're, so you're at, at Amazon for a couple of years, uh, and then where? Um, so what happened, so kind of amazing thing happened. Basically, I was there for about three years, and then I left to go to business school. Um, I had decided I wanted to become a product manager. And at the time, the only way to become a product manager at Amazon, maybe it's still like this, I don't know, was to have an MBA. And so I decided that I should have an MBA. And so I applied, <laughs> and uh, I went to Cornell um, to their business, their business program, and then ended up going back to Amazon for uh, about two years after school. Not because I had some grand plan to come back to Amazon, but because a, a weird confluence of things happened, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, I should work there again. Um, so basically, I, so I went to school, I went back to Amazon, and then I left at the end of 2008 to, to co-found a startup. Okay, cool. So there, so that's you know you've, you've been working for other companies up to this point, and then did you, did you get the bug to to start something, or it was just like the right opportunity came up? Or I've been thinking about it for a long time, but you know, so honestly, like the thing that was really scary to me about starting a company was raising money. Like I didn't really know a lot about it. I just yep. knew that that was a big part of it, and the thought of having to like stand in front of people and convince them to give me money was, I couldn't even really picture it and I didn't know a lot about it, but it was enough to kind of keep me away. And then, you know, I'd come up with an idea and I called a friend of mine, um, this was like right at the end of the time I'm at Amazon, I called my friend Greg from, that we went to high school together, and I was like, hey Greg, uh, I have an idea, do you want to work on it? And Greg was like, well, that's cool, but uh, I'm actually working with my friend Jason on this other thing, um, maybe you should meet Jason. And so I flew down to Austin, 
um, and met with Jason and Greg for this, I don't know, like a three-day weekend or something. It was basically like a three-day interview um, and kind of like, you know, worked on the idea. And it was an, it was an ad tech platform called Adtuitive. Um, you know, and at the end of the weekend, they were like, do you want to, you know, come on as, as like a co-founder? And I was like, yeah, like, yeah, I do. Um, and it was, you know, really terrifying in some ways, but uh, really exciting. And I think what was particularly great about this is that my friend Jason had no problem standing up in front of a prospective investor and asking for money. And so, you know, it was like this, the thing that was like holding me back, like wasn't holding me back in this case and gave yep. me like a really awesome chance to learn. Gotcha. So, so what, what happened after Adtuitive? Um, so I was Adtuitive for about a year and change. We were acquired by Etsy um, and, like right at the end of 2009. And then I spent three years at Etsy. Uh, and at the end of 2012, I left to start JustWorks. So what was the, the, the experience like with uh, the acquisition? Um, it was... Uh, it was tough, honestly. Uh, we, you know, it's like we're having this conversation with, um, you know, the, the BD director at, at Etsy. You know, and at first it's like, we're going to use your platform. And then later, you know, they're like, I think uh, maybe we should just buy your company. And, you know, this is, this is exciting, but also we sort of didn't know what we're getting into. Then it was like this really long negotiation. Um, it probably took like four or five months to kind of negotiate the deal. Yep. And then what happened was we were acquired and like a couple of days later, there's this huge management change, like new CEO, new, like, you know, most of the management team leaves. And so everything like we thought we were getting into was like basically wrong. Um, and you know, but it's like, you're already there. So whatever. Um, so it was like a pretty, it was tough. You know I mean? The company was going through this, this turmoil. Um, you know, we'd gone from a place where we were sort of like controlling our destiny, you know, sort of like a little boat, like blowing around to just like being in a company where we like weren't running it anymore. Um, and I think I actually learned a lot about like perseverance and just kind of like sticking it out because I would say many, certainly like in the first year or so like most days I wasn't having a great time and then um but I stayed anyway so this is worked out but it was painful yeah so do you, so you were there for a few years and yeah I was, there, I was there for three years it got a lot better after kind of like the first year or so and I was I actually launched their payments platform uh called direct checkout which was really cool so so while you're at Etsy I mean I, I assume at this point is when you kind of start stewing on the idea for just works. Yeah. You know, so it's funny. I really wanted to start another company. Like I felt with, like with intuitive on one hand, it was a huge, um, you know, it was a huge win, you know, getting acquired and, you know, the company we were going to was succeeding and like our stuff was built in and everything. But at the same time, like, you know, our company was never, you know, more than seven or 10 people. And, I don't know, like I just wanted to do something bigger. So I'd been thinking about that. And then I was also the guy at Intuitive that had set up um, our payroll and benefits and insurance and all that stuff. And it was a huge pain. And basically I was just like, okay, I think I know a pain point. And because I've done all this payment stuff, like I think I know how to fix it. So, so at this point you're, you're kind of getting just works off the ground. Um, how did, how did the, like, did you go in with that with co-founders or just start that all by yourself? Or like, how did you get that all actually off the ground? 
Yeah, so I had um, a co-founder, and so it was the two of us. And basically, we raised money really quickly from uh, some investors that, so Index uh, is a firm that was invested in Etsy, and so I got to know them you know, from presenting to the board and things like that. And so when I left Etsy, they were just like, hey, like we should talk. And so the first money in the company was actually very, very easy to raise. Uh, because, you know, we had these pre-existing relationships. Um, and basically, you know, I hired a couple of engineers uh, within, you know, a few weeks, and we started building uh, this payroll system. And I think within within about 90 days, we had, we were, like, live and processing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, I, mean, I guess, why start, obviously, there's, yes, there's a big pain point with um, payroll. What was it specifically that you felt like you could do differently that that other companies were not. I mean, think of like the ADPs, for instance. Like, Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there are all these solutions out there. And the thing about a market like ours, which is, you know, like employer solutions, is that, I mean, they're essentially like mandated by law. I mean, in theory, like you can kind of do it yourself, but practically speaking, like that's never going to happen. And so I think because of like the structure of the market, there are just like a lot of companies that have built products and... You know, it's all about sales, it's all about distribution, and the product is like this afterthought. And, you know, when I would pitch investors initially, I was just like, you know, I think there's a chance to have a really great product that people like, and, you know, it works well, and it's easy, and, you know, all the stuff that you would expect out of a normal product. And everybody was like, well, nobody cares about that. Like, it just matters if you can sell it or not. And um, it turned out the product really does matter, but, you know, that all of the existing incumbents just have have not invested there. It just wasn't a priority, like when they built their stuff. Sure. So you felt like having a product focus um, was a big selling point. I mean, I assume your your previous role, maybe what at, as a product manager at Amazon, do you feel like that played into your sort of belief that the product as the base um, was a big deal, or do you feel like that's just you've always viewed things that way, even from right out of school? I mean, I think both at Amazon and at Etsy, you know, these are these are product-led organizations. So, you know, it really is like the conversation is about the products and about how it's going to be used. And so, you know, everything I think about in terms of building stuff is sort of like comes from that perspective. So, I think it's just kind of ingrained in me. What What's the, you know, the when you've got like the ADPs or I mean, I assume like Trinet is the same kind of space that you guys right. Um, or in so I mean, for you guys, when it comes to, to talking to potential customers, I mean, you know, you look at like if, if you just put like a screenshot of like just works next to some anything that like ADP or Trinet does, I mean, at that point it seems like a really easy selling point. But do you think like what's what's the holdup that people have that still keeps them coming back to things like ADP or Trinet? Yeah, I mean, I would say. So one of the, like, the defining characteristics of solutions like this is a really high switching cost. Yep. So, you know, if you're just starting from zero and you're just like, I'm going to evaluate, you know, my options as they are today, um, you know, it just works, just works will win hands down, you know, every time or nine out of 10 times uh, because you're just kind of like judging it based on like what you're paying for and what you're getting. Um, the challenge, of course, is that most businesses are not starting from zero. They already exist. And, yeah. 
there's a, a huge perceived switching cost in going from one solution to another. So if you're like, well, you know, I have ADP, it's working okay, and I see that just works would be great, but it's only twice as great, uh, then you may not seriously consider switching. And so with the effect that, of course, that it has on the business is we have, you know, high, uh, high acquisition costs and like a long sales cycle. Um, but then once a customer comes on, like they last for a long time. So that's like really, that's really kind of like what more like what the competitive dynamic looks like. So then, so then how do you reduce the switching costs? Um, well, we try to get businesses when they start. So uh, that's, that's one thing because then you're basically just, there's not a switching cost. Um, and I think in the long term, that'll be a really important thing. And then the other way that we try to, you know, I guess there are two things. One is we, um, we've worked really hard on the software to make it easy to switch. So it's like easy to get in there. It's easy to put in your data. It's easy to pick the healthcare plans. It's easy to, this is like the whole thing is like as friendly as it could be. And then we have, um, you know, phenomenal sales team that is really oriented towards, uh, helping like helping their customers or prospects and so you know in many ways like they just act as this kind of like you know shepherd through the process and they're there to kind of help you know a business owner um through the transition because you know it's like everybody in their company gets paid many of them are on health insurance like everybody has concerns so it's just i don't know this, those are the things we do yeah yeah so you know you mentioned earlier the sort of a lot of this, the kind of stuff that you, you guys deal with is on some level kind of government mandated. Um, so what's that to me uh, seems to be like the most eye gouging things to deal with, like anything around government regulation. So I guess like what's the most, most frustrating part for you guys just building the product in such a way that it makes it look really easy for the end user like me um, so that they don't have to deal with all that regulation. Like, what's the what's the really tough problem that you guys have to solve on a daily basis? Yeah. So I would say there's there's what we thought was going to be tough, and then there's what is actually tough. So, you know, the mechanics of doing things like filing and remitting taxes and like all of this stuff, you know, because of like our because of like the way our business is structured and because of our economies of scale, like we basically just like file taxes once for everybody together. And so even though it's, you know, if you're that team and you're listening to this, you're like, yes, it's painful. Like we're just doing it once with like large numbers. Um, and you know, like our our app basically like does everything. So it calculates all the taxes and stuff like that, like new hire reporting, whatever. So the, the employer doesn't really have to worry about it. I think where it's really challenging is like, there are some things that like we cannot do in software. So, you know, knowing how to classify your employees, for example, like should they be subject to the FLSA or should they be exempt? Um, like we don't know. And so we do everything we can to help business owners understand, uh, like what a law like that is, how it applies, how to think about it, worksheets, like the whole nine yards. But you know, your customers, they still have to be engaged enough to like bother thinking about it. Um, and so that's really been like the hardest thing to solve is kind of you know helping helping business owners understand everything that they need to understand because we're like unable to do it for them, but like in a sort of pleasant and useful way. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you? Um is it a useful way to spend your time to like 
I don't know about lobbying for government change, but I mean like being involved in that conversation as much as you can, or is it just sort of a, well, we'll deal with whatever sort of comes our way? Yeah, I mean, this is like one of those things where I think, you know, our like our growth kind of has an impact. So certainly, you know, in the early days, like we just, you know, took took what came our way and that was, you know, what it was. Um, but the nice thing, of course, is you're small and you're agile, so you can kind of like deal with it. Um, you know, I think as we grow, like we'll be able to be, you know, increasingly become part of the conversation around all of these different things. And, you know, for us, like it really is about, you know, how do we help, uh, businesses like be more successful and how do we help them be better employers uh you know so that they can have you know happier and healthier people in their company so you know any opportunity we see to to help people be better employers or to help businesses be better employers like we're going to do that regulatory or, or otherwise gotcha so what for you guys um has been a key part of success for you guys up to this point yeah, I think probably the the biggest thing is that our customers, like one way or another, like they they understand why we are here and that our goal really is to help them and to protect them and to like, you know, ensure that they succeed. And you know, in the early days, like it was hard to know how this kind of bled out, but I think it bleeds out, you know, in our marketing and our advertising. Um, it bleeds out through like every single person that you um, you talk talk to on our team, whether they're on sales or support or or whatever. Um, and I think that that really changes the dynamic. Like I think a lot of our competitors, like the way it feels is that uh, you know they, the competitor is trying to sort of like monetize their customers, like as much as possible. And our view is like, you know, look, like we create a lot of value and we want to capture some, but we also want to like leave some on the table. Like that's like why we're here. And I think people know it. And I think that is a really big part of, of why we've been able to be successful. Uh, can you tell me about uh, the day that you, you realized like, Hey, I think we're onto something. Yeah. Well, I think I always, thought we were onto something because there were companies that already did this, but I just believed we could be better. Mm -hmm. um, there's definitely the day I thought we weren't going to go out of business anymore, which was like, you know, <laughs> a year and a half after <laughs> we started where I, I came in one morning, it was like the spring of, of 2015. That was like two years later. And uh, I was like, oh, I think we're good. I think it's, I think it's more likely we're going to succeed than, than go bankrupt. Uh, that so, was a good day. Oh so were you, did you spend like the, the previous time thinking this is not going to work? Um, I would say I thought it wasn't going to work, but I was pretty anxious that it might not work. And I think it's really challenging because as a founder, you know, everybody wants to see, you know, how confident you are that you're going to succeed. Um, and I, I never, I never didn't believe for a second that the product we were building wasn't the right thing or that there wasn't a need in the market, but making the entire business work was a lot more complicated. And so, you know, I think while we were figuring that out, um, there were, there were definitely like a lot of days where I was like, oh, I don't know if it's going to work out or not. Uh, I was really glad that it did, obviously. Sure. So, so how do you, I mean, you know, you've, there's two big emotions kind of that you just covered there. So there's um, the optimism of where you kind of have always thought that you were on to something, like the idea itself was great. Um, but then the anxiety of thinking like, for whatever reason, 
things may not work out. So, I mean, like, how do you balance those two so you don't just sort of go crazy? Uh, that is, that is an amazing question. Um, I don't know. I probably went crazy a little bit. I feel like everybody goes crazy a little. Yep. I think the, the, the best thing that I had in the end is, you know, a set of really amazing mentors that, um, you know, I'd worked with. And so I sort of cultivated these relationships unknowingly from the work that I'd done at Etsy and even before that. And there were just like a lot of people out there who knew me and had known me for a while. And they were just like, I really want Isaac to succeed. And like, whatever it is that he's doing, like, I want it to work out. And, you know, those people were around and they were the ones that I could kind of talk to and be like, oof, it's like not going well or whatever. Um, and kind of know that that was like the place to talk about it. And I, I think in many ways, like that probably is what like kept me sane. Yep. Do you, I, I feel like there's a pretty common thread among, um, most successful founders is having some sort of small group to, to sort of vent to like, and I almost think it needs to be outside. It has to be somebody outside of the company, right? Like not, not necessarily a co-founder, um, but just people who can you can kind of just vent to and they can kind of give you perspective. Yeah, I think one of the things that's been so interesting about being um, a founder and a CEO versus uh, versus an employee is, you know, if you'd asked me this like before, um, you know, before I started the company, I'd be like, well, of course, you'd want to talk to people in the company because they know the most about what's happening. And, you know, what I found and I think this is increasingly true, is that, um, you know, people outside the company, you know, have like a much broader perspective. And I think in particular, it's like really hard to troubleshoot, you know, how things are going in the company with the people in the company, because in the end, the company is just people. And so uh, having people outside the company that you can talk to is, is so important. I mean, I almost find, or I do find, um, like talking to my wife about this stuff, uh, can be pretty therapeutic. I mean, she, you know, she, she has basically zero ties to any of this. Um, but it's because, you know, comp building a company is people. She is able to offer this perspective uh, of like, you know, well, maybe that person thought this or, you know, maybe this person would prefer that because it's still just people at the end of the day. And it doesn't actually the problem, the business problem itself almost is kind of irrelevant when it comes to building the company. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I've, it has been so interesting to discover is that, um, yeah, the business itself is really, like, secondary to, like, the company. Like, the company has a business, but, like, you know, as a CEO, I feel like I'm in the business of, <laughs> of you know, building and running a company, and then the company has the business, which is just, it's just, like, a different way than I think a lot of people think about it. Yep, no, I agree. Um, was there, you know, talking about when you did feel like, like you showed up and it's like, okay, just works is going to be fine. But was there this, maybe a singular inflection point where growth itself actually changed or picked up? Like you, you guys did something that really changed things or has it always been just sort of slow and steady wins the race? Um, no, I would say our growth, uh, increased substantially in kind of like the fall of 2014. And the reason for that is that we hired a sales team in the summer of 2014. So, you know, for the first year and a half, like we'd been building the product and we had, you know, some, we weren't really even doing any major inbound marketing, but we were just kind of there and we, you know, people would sign up sometimes we were growing very slowly. 
and then we hired our head of sales and our first few salespeople and, you know, started calling and, you know, picking up the phone and all those things. And that made all the difference. And I think there are a lot of things we've done since then that are just sort of like steadily increased the growth rate. But, um, but that's, that's really the biggest thing. So is that, I mean, a lots of outbound sales or both outbound and inbound? Yeah, I mean, it's a mix. So, you know, I mean, referrals are a really important part of building a business like this. I think, you know, given what we do, um, you know, having having credibility with uh, our customers is critically important. And so referrals are huge. So a lot of our inbound comes from referrals. Um, but we do a ton of outbound. I mean, people are, this is like not the kind of product that people are, thinking about switching most of the time for the reasons we talked about. And so, you know, you need to be able to kind of cultivate a relationship with people over time so that when they do want to switch, you know, you're there. So what's, what's the next, I don't know, year look like for just works. Yeah. Um, we are, we're doing a lot of hiring. Um, we are going to grow, well, basically across the entire company, um, by about 60 to 70% in terms of headcount. Um, you know, I think we have, we're about 190 employees today. So, you know, I think that we have a really solid foundation and I've been spending a lot of time over the past few months, you know, making sure that we have, you know, a phenomenal plan going into next year and all of that kind of stuff. And basically, we're just kind of scaling what we do. What we've realized is we really like what we do, and we're really yep. good at it, and we want to do more of what we do, but kind of like stick to our knitting a little bit. And so everything we're doing is kind of like focused on that. So it's less about expanding and doing more stuff and more like let's keep doing the same thing, but with more people. Yeah, and better. And better, right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, Isaac, it was great talking to you, man. I appreciate you taking the time to the chat it was good talking to you yeah thanks so much there we have it isaac oates of just works thanks for listening this week if you need revenue analytics and insights check out bearmetrics.com if you have any feedback at all i would love to hear it shoot me an email josh at bearmetrics.com or on twitter at spigford head to founderchats.com to listen to a whole lot of other conversations with startup founders and if you enjoyed this a rating on itunes goes a long way thanks again 